Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. As you can see, it looks like many are on vacation. <laughs> and we will have some others trickling in here, I'm sure, in just a moment, as is usually the case. But I will be sharing some announcements. First of all, welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church today. If you are here and a guest, we are delighted and honored that you've chosen to worship with us. And uh, for those of you who would like to give us some more information about yourself and your family, there's a section in your bulletin. You can fill out some information and tear that off and place it in the offering plate. And um, uh, also, if you have prayer needs, we invite you to write those on there as well. Let me remind you that tonight at uh, 5 o'clock, there will be our spiritual growth sessions that begin at 5 o'clock in the Lighthouse Room, which is on the north side of campus under the carport there. If you come in there and turn to your right, and I'm new here, so I'm, I've got to be careful about where I'm giving directions, but I think you come in that door and turn to your right, you'll go to the Lighthouse Room. Am I right, Jamie Nolan? All right. So we would love to invite you to, to that time at 5. Last week we had almost probably 45, close to 50 people in that room talking about hospitality. We're going to do the same thing tonight, and I'll be leading that discussion and looking at several scripture verses in reference to hospitality. Let me also add that if you um, would like to be added to our newsletter list or our uh, text list, I would invite you to come and to uh, go to our website and sign up for that, and you can receive those newsletters and text messages, uh, the newsletters through email. August the 30th, we will be having a variety show here in our picnic shelter, just a night of fun for talent, whether it's music, whether it's uh, you can juggle. I noticed ventriloquist was down there. I don't know who came up with that. Um, but whatever your talent is, uh, we encourage you to come and to sign up and to let us know what that is, and we'd love to sign you up for that special time. Look to your responsive reading that is in your bulletin this morning as we prepare our hearts for worship. And I invite you to read the bold. As we gather for worship today, we come together celebrating God's amazing grace. As we sing songs, pray, and read scripture, we ask that you teach us more about this amazing grace. As we worship today, we do so knowing that we stand in need of this amazing grace. God's grace forgives, heals, and sets us free. As we welcome new faces to worship today and in the coming days, may this believing community experience in new, fresh ways God's amazing grace. For our first hymn this morning, you're going to need your hymnal and the bulletin. Um, this is a familiar hymn with a, a slightly new setting. We'll sing the first three verses of hymn number 330, Amazing Grace, and we'll add in the My Chains Are Gone uh, refrain that is printed in your bulletin. The words to the fourth verse are also printed in your bulletin. So please stand as we sing.
We're going to change the order around just a little bit, but before Ari comes with the children's sermon this morning, I want to invite Carissa Harmon to come up and join me here at the pulpit. But uh, Carissa and I got to know each other in our travels when I was with Baptist Retirement Homes, and she was traveling around as a director of missions and still does for Gardner Webb Divinity School. We got to know each other and would catch up on the latest of everything Gardner Webb, and I would appreciate her filling me in on things with the Divinity School. But the Divinity School continues to grow and do well. One of the needs that they have, she will be addressing this morning, and I just want to preface that by saying this. For three years when I commuted from Hendersonville to after I graduated undergrad and then commuted from Hendersonville, serving there in my home church, back to Garden Wave Divinity School, I would sleep on my friend Paul Lay's couch. He was a resident director, and so he had, I think that's the right term, and he had two rooms. And so I would sleep on his couch for three years. I would have much rather had a nice home and bed uh, to sleep. I love my friend Paul, but I would, have, I would have loved to have had a nice bed and a home to sleep in. And so she's going to tell us uh, just uh, quickly this morning about a need that the Divinity School has in a way that many of you might could help meet that need. Thank you, Carissa. Thank you. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you briefly this morning. When God calls us, we follow. Sometimes we are a bit hesitant to do that. God's voice continues to call us, and eventually we wake up, we listen, and we go. And sometimes when God calls us to do something, it seems absolutely, positively crazy to the rest of the world. But we do it anyway, because God called, and we said Yes. Every Sunday evening, Charlene leaves her church in Lumberton, North Carolina. She drives to Boiling Springs. She does this 13 weekends every semester for a total of 26 times in a full academic year. Charlene will get up early on Monday morning and sit in the classroom from 8.30 a.m. until 9.35 p.m. She will then go to the home of a student who has given her a couch to sleep on. And Charlene will sleep, and Charlene will get up before the sun does on Tuesday and drive all the way back to Lumberton so that she can return to her primary job, which is working with a dialysis company. She will do that 26 times in a year. While she is doing that, she is driving in excess of 5,900 miles to come from Lumberton, North Carolina, to Boiling Springs because God called her to be a minister and she feels that God called her to Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity and she passes more than one theological education institution on the way here, but God called her here and she sleeps on a couch because she is committed to listening to God's call. Next month, Paul who is a father, a husband, and a senior pastor at Nobles Chapel Baptist Church in Sims, North Carolina. I don't know how many of you know where Sims is. I do. I'm originally from down east. But Sims is in um, 
eastern North Carolina, closer to the Rocky Mount area. He will enter our Doctor of Ministry program. He feels called to come back to Gardner-Webb, where he earned another degree to be a Doctor of Ministry student. Paul is passing Duke, Campbell, and Wake Forest to come back home to do a Doctor of Ministry degree. And for four to six times every single Thursday and Friday for a seminar this fall, and then again in the spring, Paul will make that trip. And he will leave late on Wednesday night after his service at church so that he can be in the Doctor of Ministry seminar room on Thursday morning. Right now, Paul doesn't know where he's going to be staying. He doesn't have a couch to find yet, and he and I are working together to find a place for Paul to stay that he can afford. But he is committed to driving over 6,000 miles in one year to pass Duke Divinity School, Campbell University Divinity School, and Wake Forest University School of Divinity to come to Gardner-Webb School of Divinity to pursue his Doctor of Ministry degree because God called and Paul said yes. Paul and Charlene are only two examples of students who are sacrificing their finances, time with family, their careers, their calling in many ways to come here because God called and they said yes. And the one thing that they need is simply a place to spend the night. Tonight, if you come to the 615 evening service, you'll hear me talk a little bit more about some of the short-term housing needs. But right across the street is a missions opportunity for a beautiful family of God to welcome extended members of the family here for a short time to give them a place to sleep so that they can do what God called them to do. Thank you. I have a picture. Actually, I have four pictures. And Ira, you can't answer this. Okay. I'm going to pass that around. Tell me what you think that we've got represented in those four pictures here. What do you think that is? You know? You know it's, all, it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm, Maybe. I bet none of y'all have ever seen one of these because they are very rare. <laughs> yeah, the other problem is they're bad pictures, just so everyone knows. I took them. This is a what, Ira? This is an Eastern Hellbender. Um, it's a two-foot salamander that we found when we were in the Smokies this past week. But I have a story about this. I... I have looked for one of these for about 15 years, okay? I finally found one. Back in May, I found one, and I was so excited, but you know what happened? It got away. I didn't get a picture. My Ira and Carolyn, who were just as excited as I was, they came running across the little river splashing, and they didn't get to see it. That wasn't very exciting for me. 
So then we went back up to the Smokies, and the good news is we found another one. It was even bigger than the first one, and we did manage to catch it. By the way, for those of you who are wondering just how wonderful my wife is, um, she's the one who caught it in the net. Um, <laughs> so if any of y'all want to want someone to catch giant salamanders, uh, my wife is the one. Um, <clears throat> but I have a scripture for us, and we'll talk about how this relates here. Jesus was talking about sharing the kingdom. And he says to the people listening, you are like light for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill can't be hidden. And no one would put a lamp, light a lamp and put it under a clay pot. A lamp is placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so that others will see the good that you do, and praise your Father in heaven. And I was thinking about this as I was thinking about finding that salamander and not being able to share it with anybody. How sad it would be if I found Jesus and I didn't ever share him with anybody. We are given light from God so that we can that light can shine out. So I want you to remember as we go out this week, to let the light of Jesus shine out and share that with everyone that you meet. Can you do that for me? No? Maybe? Okay. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for all that you've done and for the blessing of your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that you guide us and help us to share that the light that he has shined on, shown on us to all that we meet. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. God's mercy is broader and wider and deeper than we can even imagine. And our next hymn is about that and the, the idea that we want to share that mercy and that grace with all that we come in contact with. Our next hymn is number 25, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Please stand as we sing.
join me in a time of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us to come together as your people to worship you. Father, we ask that every word that is spoken, every prayer prayed, and every song that is sung would bring you honor and glory this morning. Lord, we confess we each come into here, Father, this morning with different things on our hearts and our minds, concerns, frustrations, some uh, anger maybe. Lord, however we come today, receive us. Father, remind us that your grace is sufficient for our every need. Lord, help us to turn these things over to you. Help us to be honest with you with the things that are on our hearts and our minds this morning to allow you the open invitation to come in and to rearrange and to redirect and to guide. Father, if confession is needed this morning, Lord, I ask that, um, that we would do that. Father, if direction is needed, I pray that you would provide that. Lord, whatever the need may be today, again, your grace is sufficient. Father, we thank you for each member here. We thank you for each guest. Lord, we pray for our community this morning as well. Many have relational difficulties, uh, job insecurities, different concerns in their own families today. We pray that your grace would be sufficient for them today. Help us to know as your people of Bowling Springs Baptist Church how we can shower this grace and shower your love to a community, to a county, to a state, a nation, and a world that is in desperate need of this grace and this love. Father, bless our time of worship this morning, and we leave here today. May we say it's good to have been in your house. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please take your hymnals and turn to page 273 as we continue to thank God for the blessings that he's given us. Please stand.
pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the gifts that you have bestowed upon us. And Father, we ask now that you would bless the gift and the giver this morning. Thank you for the way you have provided and the way you continue to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Scripture will be Ephesians 2, verse 8, Ephesians 4, verse 29, and Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. 
Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. And Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may, be, that it may give grace to those who hear. And Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of, of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person.
choir, and Roger and Linda. I've enjoyed working with you, and I look forward to doing so here in the coming weeks. I'm excited to uh, get to know them. We shared a lunch this week and uh, had some more time in the office, and so look forward to planning and and, uh, letting the Lord lead us as we orchestrate some services here in the near future. Are you ready for some good news? Are you ready for some good news? All right. That sounds convincing. We live in a day where we don't hear a lot of good news. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. We don't hear a lot of good news. There was a friend of mine who... uh, uh, attends an urban church in the inner city of Durham, North Carolina. And uh, his pastor would get up and talk about all the ills of the world and would go on and on. And finally, there was a lady, they called her 20 because she was born in 1920. And, and um, she would yell out, get, get to the good news. <laughs> After hearing this 10, 15, 20 minutes of all the bad things happening in our society, you would, you'd hear it again, get, get to the good news. Well, this morning, we're getting to the good news. When we begin to talk about grace and you begin to unpack grace and what that looks like for those who are not yet here, what that looks like for us in regards to those out there, and then next Sunday, we're going to look at what does grace look like for those in here. We know know that we have received it from God, and we know that we should offer it to those out there. Sometimes we fail to offer it to those in here. A lot of conflict in churches have uh, taken place over the years because we're simply not allowing grace to one another. And so next week, that's a little teaser for next week, which is also some great news about how God encourages us and and commands that we offer grace to everyone. And so next week, we're going to look at grace to one another in the church. But today, the title of today's sermon is A Graceful Welcome to New Faces. Today begins a new sermon series called The Roofs of Hospitality. Some of you in this place today know far greater than I about what it takes to raise a good plant, a good crop, if you will. I mean, it takes water and sunshine. It takes a lot of different things. But you know that if you don't have good roots, you're not going to have a good plant or a good tree. And so each week you'll see words appearing on the bottom of the the roots on your clip art. I want to thank Linda and Roger for helping me with that this week and for what you saw in your newsletter as well this week. But in order to have a good tree of hospitality that's bearing fruit, what that will look like, we don't know yet, but we're entering into a sermon series on roots of hospitality. So we're going to talk about grace and how that factors into hospitality. We're going to look in the coming weeks about humility, and it's hard for us to offer true hospitality if we're not exercising humility. And we're going to look at impartiality, treating everyone as God would have us to treat those. And so what does that look like to give an impartial welcome as a church family? So pray for me and encourage you to be here as we um, go, go into these times. If someone asks you to summarize the Bible or the Christian faith in just a few words, I hope that one of those words that would come up not only once, but much, maybe more than once, would be the word grace. We have been given something we don't deserve and something we have done nothing to earn, and it has been given as a free gift. We've heard about grace. We have basic understanding of grace, but we live in a world filled with war, filled with violence. 
filled with religious strife, with lawsuits, with family breakdowns. How can the church show grace to a world that is in desperate need? How can Boiling Springs Baptist Church show grace to new faces who will come through our doors in the coming days? The scripture that Willie read this morning speaks of the fact that we have been saved. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. He also read scripture that speaks of the facts that we should speak in such a way that we give grace to those who hear. You know, when people see you coming, is it such that they kind of, you know, have to, have to get a little tense, have to gear up for your presence, or is your presence refreshing? Is it grace-filled? You know, we think about that when we think about new faces. Um, let us speak in such a way as to give grace to those who hear. And in Colossians, he read a passage that says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. If you're like me, there are times that we are more graceful in our words than in others. Paul, in the message, uh, or Eugene Peterson's, the message paraphrase of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that speaks about this gift of grace. We read it this morning in the men's study, and I'd like to read it again. It says, now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play their major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing ourselves. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work. He does the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work that we had better be doing. I read this week author Stephen Brown notes that a, vet, that a veterinarian can learn a lot about a, dog, about a dog's owner that he has never met just by observing the dog. That this veterinarian can notice a lot about the dog's owner just by observing the dog. What does the world learn about God by watching his church today? I'm afraid some of those things the world's learning by watching his people aren't the things that we want to be communicating. What does this community learn about God and his grace by watching the members of Boiling Springs Baptist Church. The best stories about grace in all of Scripture come from Jesus himself, and we're going to just touch over a few of those this morning. He had a way of making even the most despised, the most uh, people in the community that were not looked favorably upon, he had a way not only of welcoming them, but we're going to read here in just a moment that many of those sinners were attracted to Jesus. They came to Jesus. I wish that was true today, but it's not. Why is it that in Jesus' day, he attracted people to himself that were of questionable reputation, but yet today, many of these same people do not feel welcome in the church of God? Why is that? In Philip Yancey's book, if you want to go deeper with the subject of grace, I would encourage you to think seriously about this book. It's called What's So Amazing About Grace, uh, Philip Yancey. It's a great read, read through it a couple times, but in it, he, I'm going to edit a story that he has in the beginning because of the uh, diverse age in the room. But he talks about a lady of questionable reputation who was in wretched straits, homeless, sick, and unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. She talks, he goes on to, to say some more things there. And it, 
he says here, at last I ask if she had ever thought about going to a church for help. I will never forget the look of pure naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They would just make me feel worse. In Luke 15, we know of that chapter as, I just think of it as the lost chapter. You got the lost coin, you got the, um, you got the lost son, and the whole chapter deals with the lost, the lost coin, the lost son. But at the beginning of 15, you'll see a verse of Luke 15, 1. It says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. It didn't say that Jesus had invited them, but it says they were coming near to him to listen to him. A tax collector was considered among the most despised people in Israel. They often strong-armed people out of their money uh, through the use of, of thugs. This occupation made one a traitor to the nation of Israel. Tax collectors were on the same level, uh, same level socially as harlots. They would also have been a religious outcast, forbidden even to enter the synagogue, and they were a Jew. But because they were a tax collector, it was looked upon so poorly that they could not even enter the synagogue. Here is Jesus sitting and eating with the outcasts. These despised by society were accepted again by Jesus. Not only accepted, but they were coming to him. There was something about Jesus that they hadn't seen before that attracted them to Jesus. We see another example of a tax collector in Luke 19 with Zacchaeus, the man who up in the tree, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, uh, come down from that tree for I will dine with you tonight or dine with you today. And it says there as we read that passage that other people of questionable reputation, it says it in different ways in your scripture, were beginning to come. And, and Jesus was criticized for eating with sinners. In Luke 7, uh, verses 34 through 39, we have an immoral woman, an immoral woman uh, that heard Jesus was in a home of a Pharisee, and she brought an expensive jar of perfume to anoint Jesus. John chapter 4, we read of the story of Jesus being welcomed by a woman of Samaria. Not only did she welcome Jesus, but she went and told the others about Jesus. And she did this after she knew that Jesus knew her background. And, she knew, and Jesus knew that he had, she had had five husbands. And Jesus knew all these things about her. But yet, there was something about Jesus that she was drawn to. And not only was she drawn to it, she wanted the people in her village to know about this man called Jesus Think about the church today. Why are others not flocking to hear the message that we have? Why aren't these pews filled? Why isn't the, the people who are really struggling in life running to the church this morning? What message is communicated today by his followers? How could the one who embodied grace and truth attract such down and out in society? And why does the church today, as Jesus' followers, repel many who are looking for hope, looking for something more? C.S. Lewis is said to have walked into a group of professors, very learned men and women maybe as well, who um, were debating what is Christianity's greatest gift to the world. And they were tossing it around, and, and C.S. Lewis kind of walked casually into the room and heard of the question and the conversation, and he said, well, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. There's so much in our society that goes against grace, We know our institutions, we think of our banks, you know, there's not a lot of grace there. We think of our government, 
Hardly. <laughs> um, you know, we think of sports teams. If you, you, you hit it harder, you hit it strong, you run faster, you shoot it better, you throw it harder, or else eventually you're off the team. Not for the young kids, but when you, get into, when you get into college, you get into professional sports, and that's the way it is. There's very little grace that is shown. We also have social systems. We divide based on class, race, other things. In his book, Capital of the World, Ernest Hemingway wrote about a father in Spain who had a son named Paco. Because of his son's rebellion, Paco and his father were estranged. The father was bitter and angry with his son, and he kicked him out of the home. After years of bitterness, the father's anger ended, and he realized his mistake. He began to look for Paco with no results. Finally, in desperation, the father placed an ad in the Madrid newspaper, and the ad read, Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me at the newspaper office at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Love, your father. Paco is a rather common name in Spain, and, and Hemingway wrote that when the father arrived the next morning, there were 600 men, all named Paco, waiting and hoping to receive the forgiveness of their fathers. We've seen a wonderful picture of what God is like in the Jesus stories. The ones that I've mentioned, the ones that I failed to mention that you could think of as well, that exemplify Jesus and the grace that he offered to all. He is a God who, who runs when you return and who restores you when you repent. Some of, you've, some of you've known this. You've had times in your life where uh, you could speak and give testimony this morning of when you received God's grace for something that you've known and maybe that God was convicting you about. This last school year, uh, as, I, as Aiden would be, he went to school in Winston. We lived in King, and um, we would often see a lot of homeless people in the, the large city of Winston. And these homeless people would hold up a cardboard sign that would say homeless or hungry or whatever it may be, in need of food. And some of them would say veterans. And one day something happened that shocked me. And as I think about grace this morning, I can't help but um, demonstrate this this morning. But we saw uh, a man, a young man, on the corner near the school who was holding up a sign. And it was different from all the rest. And it's what caught my attention. And not only the sign caught my attention, but his face caught my attention attention. He was standing there with this huge smile on his face, just a huge smile on his face. And he was holding up a cardboard sign that just simply said, you are loved. And not only was he doing this, but each person in each car, he would get their attention. He would look at them and he would smile and he would smile. And you couldn't help but feel the energy from that. You couldn't help it. Uh, in a city when it struggles, you know, probably within eyesight, we could see somebody else holding up a sign at another intersection that said homeless and hungry, in need of money, whatever it may be. But here he was standing at the street corner, just looking at everybody. And I don't know about how you would respond to that, but that day, that really touched me. And he's standing there, and he's holding up this sign, and he's smiling at each one, looking at them in the face, are loved. And you could see him kind of whispering that under his breath as he stood there. And he said, you are loved. If you will allow me to put something in the prodigal son's story, in Luke chapter 15, we touched on it earlier. Luke 15, 1 talked about the tax collectors coming to Jesus. But I got a feeling that the father of the prodigal son 
in a sense, if you would allow me to put something in there, was holding up a son and had been holding up that son for a long time for that son. He'd probably lifted it high so he could see it coming down the road that says you were loved. That son had basically said, I wish you were dead, father, because of the way he treated his father. But that father was waiting, the story tells us, when we read that. And he was holding up the sign that said, you are loved. Let me ask you the question, what will that look like for Boiling Springs Baptist Church if the countenance on our face, the message that we communicate to the new faces we see here, to the faces that we see within our community, are communicating, you are loved. We all have past, we all have a history, we've all done things we wish we hadn't done or shouldn't done, or we've, like Peter sometimes, we stick our foot in our mouth and say things that we wish we hadn't said. But what would it look like if you and I, as the body of the believers of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, can live our lives in such a way that communicates to people who comes in our, come in our doors each Sunday or Wednesdays or other um, activities or ministries that we have here at our church, to where we communicate with these individuals, you are loved. Jesus was a friend to all. The children, the poor, the sick, all races, sinners. Again, that means us all. What can we learn from Jesus' example in relating with people? Let me share just a few things with you really quick. First of all, Jesus knew how to take initiative. I've learned this in ministry and in my life. There are times when I simply need to listen. And I simply need to back off and let this person share, let this situation kind of happen before me. But there are other times when I need to take initiative. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, may he lead us to know what those times may be when we need to take the initiative to communicate to someone that you are loved. Jesus responded to the initiative of others. These others, this woman who was coming to Jesus to anoint his feet. These others, these sinners, these, these men and women of questionable reputation were attracted and coming to Jesus. Jesus knew when there was a time to dine with the Zacchaeuses. Jesus left room in his schedule for interruptions by friends and others that were enlisting his help. Sometimes when I was young in ministry, I was thinking that what I was doing was so important that I didn't, you know, the interruptions bothered me. You know, this is important. I got to get this done because of this and this and da, 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 da. And the older I get, the more I've realized that, okay, if something doesn't get done and God's impressing upon something else here and something else is kind of coming into my time or coming into my work week, as it may be in ministry, um, I need to be open to that. I wasn't always open to that. But may you and I as a church follow the example of Jesus and make interruptions and allow these interruptions to come in as ministry opportunities. Jesus usually met people on their turf. A lot of times we expect people to fit into a certain mold as soon as they come through the door, and that's not the case. If we're truly offering a graceful welcome to people, we're going to take them as they are, and we're going to meet them where they are. Jesus was interested in establishing common ground with others. Philip Yancey says, Grace comes free of charge to people who do not deserve it, and I am one of those people. Have you received the grace of God this morning? If you have, are you willing to demonstrate and exhibit this grace to new people here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church? God is asking us today to go forth from this place with a smile on our face and with a banner raised high to the Italian Garden, to Ingalls, into Shelby, to your place of work, to your co-workers, to your family, to your friends. Let us enter into those places with a smile on our face 
and a message that is spoken from our words and from our actions that says you are loved. I don't know where you are in life or what you even believe right now, and it may be very different from what I believe, but I want to let you know that you are loved. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the love that you have shown me, for the love that you show us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our areas where we fall short. I'm thankful that your grace is sufficient. It is there to meet us at the point of our need, whatever that need may be. If there are those here today, Father, that have never put their faith and trust in you and never accepted that free gift of grace that salvation offers, Lord, that you offer, I pray that today they would receive that. Lord, if there are others here today that just need to be reminded of your grace, it is so freeing. Uh, Father, my chains are gone, the song that we sang earlier. It is truly amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Lord, we are in need of that grace today. Father, reveal it to us, and Lord, teach us and show us and reveal to us ways that we can communicate it to our community, to our county, to our area of this state, to the entire state, to our nation, and to our world. Awaken us to what a graceful welcome looks like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today and um, you would like to respond to God's invitation this morning, we invite you to come and to do that. If you would like to talk with me about church membership, I would like to talk with you about that as well. But you stand and let's sing and come as the Lord leads. Hymn of invitation is number 567, Share His Love. Please stand.
Sunday today, and I want to remind you, last week as we entered into this sermon series, Roots of Hospitality, this is just the beginning of what will continue to be a, uh, an ongoing conversation over the next several weeks and months. Uh, as school starts back here in several weeks, uh, we're going to be introducing some new things at that time, and then maybe some other new things over the next year in reference to how we welcome and how we greet people. And one of the things that I've challenged you to do as a church family is to find a couple people that you just simply don't know that well. Maybe you don't know at all. And introduce yourself to them before and after church. And so I want to encourage you and remind you to do that. Maybe speak to someone that you haven't spoken to or that you don't know that well today before you leave. But I just want to challenge you in that. Let's pray together. Father, teach us more about what it means to offer grace to those who are very different than we are. Lord, teach us more about how to communicate this through our words, and through our actions. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.